At some point in our life, we will all experience the death of a loved one. If you or someone you know is experiencing the grief that comes with losing someone you love, then I have a life-changing experience to offer you. If you could connect with them through a medium and talk to them one more time, would you like that opportunity? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I would like to give you access to the 2019 Afterlife Awareness Conference live stream. This event is happening June 6th through 9th in Salt Lake City, Utah, but we are bringing it to the comfort of your own home with our live stream access. We have an early bird special that ends April 15th for only $99. That's over a 20% savings, and the price will go up to $129 after April 15th. Over 25 hours of education about the afterlife, near-death experiences, how other cultures grieve, and information and ways on how you can heal the grief within. To get access to this amazing content, visit path11productions.com before the price goes up to $129. You'll be saving over 20% with this early bird special of $99. Don't wait too long as this special price is ending soon. And if your wallet is a little tight this month, no problem. We also offer a payment plan that makes it easier to pay for your live stream access. Take the step today to heal your grief and give yourself the gift of healing. Once again, that's path11productions.com to get the early bird price of $99. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. It is my great, great pleasure to welcome back a guest that we have had on our show. It was actually back in May of um, last year. Is that, is that right? I can't even believe it. Okay. Uh, time is flying, but I am welcoming back Austin Wells, who is the author of Soul Conversations, but we have a funny story to tell you about the book and the title of that book and how it has changed since we have last interviewed her. But I had the opportunity to read um, her book and review it. We had a wonderful conversation about all that I had learned, how the book impacted me a great deal. So that is episode 147. I would definitely recommend if you're listening to this first that you head on back and uh, click on episode 147 to listen about my review of the book. And also you're going to hear how it transformed. But if you've never heard of Austin Wells before, she is an amazing woman. In my opinion, I had the opportunity to meet her last year at the Afterlife Awareness Conference in Orlando, Florida. We get to see her again in Utah in June at the Afterlife Conference. And she is a spiritual medium and a soul gardener who empowers individuals to create soul-centered lives. She's a certified grief counselor and combines her magnificent intuition and mediumship with shamanism, energy medicine, and sacred ceremony. Psychic medium John Edward invited her to host a weekly online show on his spiritual website, Infinite Quest, and she has been the guest medium for the California State Spiritualist Convention, as well as a guest medium presenter and educator at many national conferences, including the Afterlife Awareness Conference. So we are just so excited to have her back on. Austin, welcome. Thank you so much, April. I really appreciate it very yeah. much. 
Me too. And I just love that we had a chance to meet each other um, in person. And I had such a great time being around your energy. And I opted to film some of your breakout sessions. So I got to sneak in and listen to some of your teachings as well. And uh, it's just been wonderful getting to know you more and more throughout the year here. Well, and you, um, you and Mike were amazing with the coverage of the conference as well, because um, the way that you got the essence of it and then highlighted not only the presenters, but also the people that were there. I just think you did, you guys did such an amazing job. You really did. You got, you captured the essence better, I think, than anybody thus far has. Oh, well, thank you. We we yeah. loved it. We had a great time. We can't wait to come back um, in June. So um, it's a funny story, and but you're going to tell me how this happened. Um, as I was kind of going back trying to find what episode number you were um, when we had talked last to talk about your book, it hadn't even been published yet. I got a PDF version of it. And I know that Soul Conversations was just released February 2nd of 2019 this year. And I'm going through and I thought, oh my gosh, wait a second. Has she wrote two books? Because um, in her bio, it says the in Invisible Path of the Soul is going to be published in the spring. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I miss the book? Did I somehow not get the second book? And then I went back onto your website and I'm like, no, no, this is the same book, but a totally different um, title to it. So can you tell me what happened there and what made you decide to change it from the invisible path of the soul to soul conversations? Well, there is um, a beautiful process that happens working with a publisher in the fact that you as the author are so intimately involved with the writing of the book that having an objective view sometimes is extraordinarily helpful. So what was happening was as I was writing the book and I was putting together what they call a TOC or the table of contents that you submit to your publisher, um, they were having a hard time for some reason really seeing the book which I thought was fascinating, but they, the arc of it, they couldn't understand. And there were just, there were just some nuances that weren't quite coming together, uh, as in, as a whole. So then I started spending some time thinking about the title and I realized the word invisible as much as it was a perfect idea was actually asking me to look at that word more profoundly. And I realized not only was the concept still in the darkness, not yet revealed, therefore they couldn't understand it totally because I still had some tweaking to do, but also there were aspects of myself that were invisible, that needed to be in the light, needed to step out in order to allow my full authenticity to be represented in the book. So once the title soul conversations was aligned with the book, suddenly everybody saw the book. Mm. And I, it, it was, it just, it really goes to show that no matter what transpires in your life, you're always evolving and you can look at the circumstances and the delays especially at this time right now when Mercury's in retrograde, <laughs> you can look at all of those, um, what, you know, an inconvenience or however you want to frame it. But honestly, when those things happen to take a deeper perspective and view into it and say, okay, it's a gift that's happening to me, then you have a completely different understanding. 
So I know that you usually play it deep and um, you are very <laughs> transparent with things. So I'm not afraid to ask you this question. Okay. What were some of the invisible aspects of yourself that you were finding as you were, you know, working through the book that were still hidden within yourself that needed to come out? Um, I think the largest one had to be something that was equally uh touched upon when John Edward asked me to work for him. I had somewhat been working in the background. Um, I love this work and I cherish it so profoundly that I had never really sought to be known or highly recognized because it just uh, wasn't my passion piece. So when John came along and kind of pulled me out of my own inherent obscurity and said, no, 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 we, I, I vision you doing this really. I would love you to step into this project of mine. It was the first time I had an awareness that there was something else being asked of me. And any, if you've ever had the experience of either writing an article or putting a book together, it's a ridiculously intimate process and intimate in the sense that you're used, you, you question whether or not you are, have the authority to know what you're saying and how valid is it. And a lot of this book is it very intimate things that have happened along my professional career where the spirit world has taught me. So it's such a vulnerable exposure that I was being asked to trust the spirit world even more by saying, no, actually there might be something that might be helpful here and we need you to take that step in. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of, um, another author that, and good friend of ours that we interviewed, her name was Marla Fries. <clears throat> she came out with her book and it was a very, you know, intimate to her as well. And she was kind of freaking out like, oh my God, it's out there. I cannot take it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. And it's, and it's, um, but in the same vein, the, the irony of it is, is that it's almost like a ball going down a hill because the minute it happened, then I started finding all of this different levels of empowerment that, that I was being asked to step into. And it just got more contagious, not more comfortable, but more contagious. I think it's a, um, a misnomer about fear because fear I think is probably out of all of the emotions that we explore or reactions we have to life. It's probably the least researched because we don't really say, Ooh, how exciting fear. Let's step in. You know, we, we, we tend to step and lean out of it. And I think fear has the most extraordinary things to teach you because it's just you in a couple of minutes. It's the energy, it's that force field of who you are becoming. And it feels bigger than you are at the moment because you don't know it about yourself. But if you have that audacity or just maybe goofiness, I don't know, <laughs> to just say, okay, it's showing up right now and it wouldn't show up if, if it wasn't something that I need to understand. And then just have the audacity to just go for it. So it teaches you about yourself for sure. But 
it was really fun now that I look, you know, now that I take in the entire experience of it and then sharing it with people and having people's response to the book is a whole different level of exchange, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. And that's what I'd like to hear about next too, because, you know, like you're saying, you kind of had to shift with, with the energy of it and then it is put out there, but then I can only imagine that a whole nother level or energy or relationship with the book starts to form once it gets into the hands of other people and you are getting more collective feedback. You know, it's probably one thing to, um, you know, give it to somebody like myself who is a host and we read books and we review them, we have you on, but then to have other people, you know, that are using it too in their everyday lives or, you know, they're going to Barnes and Nobles and, oh, that <laughs> looks like a pretty book. Let me grab that. And then you're getting the feedback. So um, what has the feedback been? And and have there been any stories of people sharing their stories back to you on what this book has done for them? I have been very blessed to have uh, met people from different places that have been uh, affected by the book, which has it's it's when when the book goes out there, you're aware of the fact that people are going to have access to it. But then when you actually realize that people from places are going to have access to it, it's a different level of acceptance. I think probably the greatest compliment that I have gotten at this point um, was inspired by a woman who review who was one of my endorsers. And um she had written in her endorsement, this book should be both the first and the last text you read as you travel through this human experience. And I, I, when I read her uh, endorsement, I almost fell over. I mean, it was so, it was so incredibly kind in depth. She clearly had gotten what the book was about, but I think the, uh, my book club <laughs> last night threw a little cute party for me and, uh, read my book as the book of the month. And their comment was they, they were glad that we had read it, but that they had nowhere gotten to a point where they'd finished it because a number of them said, I, I have it on my bedside and I have to go through it again. And the whole hope of the book was to be a, a pathway and a journey into yourself and into the idea of what you think your soul is and different access points. So that part to me feels like I've, I've can check the box that my intention has been achieved at least by people that, um, get what the idea of it is. I'm sure it's got to feel so humbling too, you know, when you get that type of feedback to, oh. you know, sometimes we probably really just don't even realize, um, you know, the beautiful things that we have to share from our own experiences or the way that we've processed things. And sometimes to think that, you know, a story that you tell or something that you write down can really help someone and bring them forward in their own lives. It's almost like, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh. Yeah. And I think that was the part there's going back to the idea of invisible since we started, because I think everybody can identify with aspects of themselves that feel invisible. In fact, the spirit world is always bringing forth in, um, 
our my you know my sessions that I have with people the things that people are just think nobody in the world notices and I witness people constantly being bowled over by how intimate and tiny sometimes the nuances of what is noticed about a soul um and uh, and I just I that part I love because I think we're all desiring that level of acknowledgement in what it is that we do or how it is that we present ourselves in the world. So I think the, the other part of it that's been incredibly humbling, as you just said, is the fact of just having things that are very clearly important to me, um, topics of conversations or things that people have questions about, and then just witnessing the power of word too, because we all have stories to tell and no story is diminished in comparison to another, but there are times when a story can absolutely impact your path and your life and decisions that you make. So, um, to be part of a bigger conversation is a, is a real joy for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, is there, is there anything maybe, um, that we could give to our listeners a little bit? Um, because I know we're going to talk about a couple of other things and they can, um, listen about the book in that other episode, but is there anything that you can pull from the book that ties a little bit more into how people can heal that part of that invisible self? Maybe some people will call it the shadow self, but some of the elements of your book that touch upon that in a way that people can heal or maybe begin to step into their power or move forward mm-hmm. with their gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I think the the beginning premise of the book is something that seems to be helping people. In self-help and in the um, genre of personal development. There's a lot of conversation about the inner critic, the um, aspects of the mind that are not seemingly in alignment with our true self. And I notice in these conversations, this inherent duality that exists within all of us. And what I'm wanted to, to put forward as an additional comment to that conversation is we need to be dualistic and we are inherently dualistic. We have two aspects of ourselves. We have our finite self and our infinite self. Now the finite self sees the world as physical, whereas the infinite self sees the world as spiritual. The finite self understands that we live in a body and that everything we perceive in our lives is, is drawn into our physical self through our senses. And with that, um, articulation, we are equally a personality. We have an ego and we desperately need to understand ourselves primarily based on how we interact with other people. That finite aspect of us is the part of us that judges ourselves, that separates ourselves from others, that lives under this idea that life happens to us, which can oftentimes disempower us. We have to be a finite 
we, we have to have the finite experience because the other aspect of it is, is the infinite self, which is our spiritual nature. Our infinite self knows we are a spiritual being first before stepping into this experiment of being a physical being. So the hope of presenting that concept is there's not a good side and a bad side to us. There are dualities within everything we look at. We've got light and dark and day and night and sun and moon. They're, they're beautifully complementary to each other. So in that, we need to be we need to get stuck. We need to get confused. We need to get angry. All of those expressions are how our, the, the totality of our soul, both that finite and infinite self are exploring this physical experience as a spiritual being. The hope though is, is not to dismiss or diminish a part of ourselves and say, Oh, this is that bad part that I've got to shut down or quiet. It's about allowing the infinite self to be apparent to the finite self and nurture what it is that we're experiencing as a human being, but with a spiritual perspective that it's teaching us something that there, it's not happening to us. It's happening for us. There is this absolute gift in even the most experiences where you feel invisible, that actually it's a great teacher. And that oftentimes the most difficult search circumstances or people are probably people in the spirit world that you're besties with. Otherwise you wouldn't dare tolerate their mess when you run into them in this <laughs> life, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that the hope of the book is to teach you know, allow that understanding of both of those aspects and then play with both with a real loving understanding perspective. So when that finite self starts firing, you've got a a practice bridge to the infinite self to allow yourself to go, huh, wow, that's really getting my goat. I better go to that chapter on soul-centered relationships and figure out what's triggering me. Or I feel so alone, but my infinite self knows that I'm always connected to the universe. So maybe I should go to the middle of the book and work with my guides a little bit because I need to remind myself that I'm always caregiven and always supported in everything I do. Yeah. And, you know, what comes to mind for me is that space in between the duality of how well we're able to hold what happens when those two worlds come together. Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole point is of a quote unquote soul conversation is the totality of our soul is both that finite and that infinite self. So when we're soul centered in our lives, we understand that the space and the peace is to hold both as equal values and to allow ourselves to witness what transpires in our life, not participate in it to such a degree that we forget that we're actually learning something from it. Yes, exactly. Now, it looks to me, too, that you are going to bring some of this into your teaching um, for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. Absolutely. um, 
Yeah. So you have some breakout sessions on Friday. You're doing, um, you're also going to be a part of the live stream. Um, you know, people are going to see it through our live stream, but exploring the landscape of your soul is the title of your breakout session for this conference this year. And I know last year you did a lot with, um, some of the shamanism and the power animals, but this sounds different. So I wanted to hear a little bit about what you're going to be doing in your breakout session. I am thrilled to be exploring always new modalities to bring people's awareness to the spiritual aspect of themselves. So my plan is to really focus on, I guess you could look at it like the energy medicine of the soul, more or less, what are different tools and techniques that one can use to connect with yourself as a spiritual being. So part of the class is going to be um, exploring things like Tai Chi or Tai Chi, which is actually, um, one of the original terms of Tai Chi, um, and different, different ways of really having a sense of what the energy of the earth feels like, or what the energy of the heavens feel like and feeling the difference of it. So it's really working on the soul sense of feeling energy and then working with partners on that. And then equally exploring through meditations and other exercises, whether it's the landscape of the chakras, but equally that whole space of your soul that surrounds you to gain wisdom from it going forward. So when something's going on, you've got a different way of kind of looking at yourself, uh, energetically. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. It should be fun. (laughs) You know, and I was thinking this morning, you know, I was, I was thinking about, um, the afterlife awareness conference, you know, and Mike and I were just talking about this and that, you know, I was saying to him that, this it's such a beautiful conference and it's so much more than life after death or about losing someone or grieving. There are elements of that. But when I was really sitting and thinking about, you know, how do we explain to the world <laughs> why you need to come to this conference? Because it, to me, it's very much a, a spiritual uh, weekend retreat. I don't even feel like it's, it's, I know we use the word conference and there's people like yourself who are teaching, but it really is a retreat for the soul. Um, you know, it's not just all about death, but like how you just described what you're doing in itself. I mean, it's really about connecting with our souls, who we are in this lifetime, in the afterlife, but there's so much more that happens at this conference, um, than just, you know, exploring the afterlife. And I, you know, I think you just gave a a great example of how just even in your presentation, there's so much more happening at this conference. Well, I, I think anytime someone is touched by the death of a pet or a loved one, and I really put pets in there because these days there are so many different kinds of relationships and many are much more disconnected, I think, than they should be. So oftentimes the most profound relationship some people have is with their pets. Mm -hmm. Um, but when that, that physical being transitions, uh, because we do not give as much credence to what is invisible, um, there, there's a different yearning and a different sense of disorientation that is so necessary. So where Terry is, Terry Daniel, the founder of the Afterlife Conference, is just dynamic, is that 
her initial exploration and intention of setting forth this conference was to deal with her own loss of her son. But yet what it's really come into is a, is a much more profound conversation about what happens at death, who supports death, what happens when a person is dying, how can we prepare for that? Um, what have people discovered about the dying process? What have people that have died and come back understood? So it really has, it has in a sense, grown as the conference has expanded into these just wonderful discussions. Uh, there was a doctor there last year, you remember, who um, was a Saturday night presenter. And um, his his work is just delicious because he has talked with people in the dying process and then asked them to share their insights with him. And um, from it has just come up with these amazing video captures to give people comfort of what potentially you might encounter or what to know are the signs when someone is, their soul is transitioning. And um, I, I, I just think every year I go and I learn more. And she also is probably one of the few people in in my world who has such an amazing capture of who I am, what I do and what I offer. So she lets me, um, play with grief and with shamanism and with all of the modalities I have. So it's, it's, a, I'm, I feel very, very, very blessed, um, to be connected with it because, uh, I love to be able to kind of juggle all the different things I do and and take on the challenges that she gives me. So it's uh, it is very unique and it's and it's not so um, not just about the fluffy, I guess, side of it. She wants there to be discussion. She wants there to be disagreement. She doesn't mind if two ideas completely oppose each other. And she needs the scientific research, which brings just a level of credibility to it that is outstanding. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, too. And the other thing that I really loved, even though we were kind of behind the scenes and, you know, running around here and there, <laughs> I, I really love the accessibility of all the presenters. You know, it wasn't like you people were just at this conference and, you know, the people who were presenting get up there and then they leave and they like disappear, you know, like they're musicians on a stage. Um, but I really saw them interacting so much with people that wanted to stay after to ask them questions. They were and you yourself were as much as a part of the conference, even though they were teachers and you were a teacher, but it felt like you were a part of us, a part of the whole entire attendance there, you know, and I really, I love that. I thought that was important. It is, it is very true. It's a very intimate and, a, and connected conference because there is not, um, sometimes you'll go to a conference and you just, the only time you ever see the presenter is on the stage. That's not this conference. This conference really has uh, a wonderful accessibility. And I, I, I believe in my experience, I really enjoy it because it adds a different level of connection because it's all well and good to read a book and see someone talk on stage. But if you have a question that perhaps doesn't serve an entire group and is very, very personal, as there were a number of people who came up with those kind of questions, um, there's just a 
a different allowance for conversation to transpire. And I, I think people as a result of it find a more personal experience. Yeah. And, um, we have to talk a little bit about the closing ceremony um, <laughs> with uh-huh. uh, yeah, you and uh, Linda, Linda Fitch and Terry. I think it was the three of you. Am I missing one person or no, I think it was, no, the, it was the three of yes, us. It yeah. was the three of you guys. It was one of the most beautiful ceremonies that yeah. I had seen. Um, and I love that component that is done because so much is talked about. There is so much energy and buzz of the weekend, both high and sometimes you could feel a little element of the grief kind of poke through here and there, but there's so much love. Um, there's, there's some messy grief in there, but there's, you guys just did such a great job of allowing in that ritual and ceremony space for the energy to be respected and closed, but to also for everyone to honor their loved ones mm-hmm. um, with the altars that you guys did. I was crying, trying to film. I'm like, Oh God, this is, this is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. People are crying. I'm crying. I'm trying to hold my, you know, my camera straight, but it was just, it was really beautiful. And, um, I know that you and Linda are going to be teaching together. Um, so I'm hoping we can kind of talk about what you and Linda are going to be doing together. Cause you guys are two powerhouses that it's going to be phenomenal. It's called walking between worlds. And then, uh, maybe we can kind of get back to the closing ceremony and what happens and why that is so important. Um, you know, from the shamanism perspective of what you guys do together there to close the conference. Well, if, if I can, um, address the, if I can actually shift the addressing of it, it'll all kind of come together as a big yummy soup. But, um, the, but it's, I love, first of all, thank you for your very, um, passionate and sweet share on that. I was, this conversation absolutely came up in my, um, book club last night because I had done a ceremony with all of them at one point and they were talking about like why it had left them so changed and the indelible kind of uh, long-term effect it had. And there is a lack of ceremony in our world more or less the opportunity for us to be in a sacred space with a group where words are not the power, it's the feeling. Mm. And in our world of communication, there is tremendous thinking. But I do wonder sometimes if we're under feeling, if we're um, lacking that that exploration of what we don't know by allowing our souls to kind of expand into something and explore with other people, something we don't know what it's going to be. So the indigenous cultures have always understood the power of ceremony. They've always understood that when you are having a spiritual conversation, it need not be wordy. In fact, the most profound ones I've participated in have been completely in silence and to get 50 to a hundred or more people together to focus on their own experience and yet witness the experience of others objectively uh, is such a curative experience and it's breathtaking and powerful and gobstopping. It's, it's, 
Fantastic. So the shamans that uh, Linda and I both have had the honor of working with and around um, have relayed that experience quite profoundly. And within the shaman training I did, we had so much ceremony in all of it. So that impact that you felt is that, and and then the emotion that comes up from it is really, I believe, the collective uh, unconscious and our shared memories that we used to do more things together in gratitude, in grief. So those experiences of the finite self, instead of them being so disparate and separated from each other, which creates this illusion of loneliness and, and solitude, we're held as a group, we're held in love and light by your families and your comrades. So you never had this feeling of being invisible or um, jettisoned. You were just held no matter what the moment was. So that experience of being able to build the Day of the Dead altar, especially on that particular weekend, the first weekend of November, and for people that don't know what that is, if you watch the brilliant Pixar movie Coco, you'll see a fantastic depiction of Day of the Dead. But it's it, to have that opportunity to create that kind of a um, shared healing portal is just it, it, it's just the thing that keeps on giving, you know, it just, it's so sweet. It's just so, and it's such a sweetness in the room when you're finished. Plus this nice transmutation that everybody goes through at the same time. So to work with this phenomenal, I call her Pachamama, which is <laughs> the shaman word for, for mother earth, because first of all, Linda is about a hundred feet tall and I'm average height. So I'm always like, my neck is bent backwards <laughs> in a 90 degree angle to talk to my friend, but, um, her wisdom and insight and just brilliance is a joy to dance with. So we're just going to have some damn fun. We're going <laughs> <laughs> to just play. We're going to play with what's invisible and take people outside of, you know, the physical experience and give them lots of tools and techniques to um, explore the afterlife and to explore what surrounds them and how they're connected and, um, just put everybody in ceremony and in that place for three hours and just see what happens. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't, I just can't. can't I'm so excited about it myself. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, I get to work with Linda. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. And she also is really committed. So when she gets serious, like there was, there's this really sweet picture on the website of her with her finger to her lips where she was telling the group like, okay, people were ready to work now. And she, like her authority, I just have always loved because, you know, she's like that fifth grade teacher that you're like, oh, whoops, shoot, quiet. Okay, be quiet now. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and just about the closing ceremony too, like you were saying, um, I loved what you said. Words are not the power. Um, It's more of the feeling and it is palpable. Um, I actually, I haven't even had a chance to tell you this, but there was a a shared moment that I had with you when you were getting, um, the room together and you guys were doing an invocation. And I remember you just started to cry and you had shared with people as we were starting that like all these children ran up Uh. 
And I saw them too. And I had, <laughs> I can cry just <laughs> thinking about it and talking about it. But, you know, again, here I am, I'm filming and I'm having, I'm seeing the same exact thing as you, you know, we're calling this in and I couldn't believe how the room filled and that there was like this little girl with these brown eyes that just like looked up at me and tugged on me and just mm-hmm. smiled. And I was just like, part of me is like, holy shit, what is happening? Yeah. What's Who are going these people? On? Like, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. I could feel it. I could feel all of, all of the people that were, um, had passed over. I saw these children, you know, and of course, is it my imagination? But then you said this out loud and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is, I, I'm experiencing the same thing. It was, um, really, it, I mean, just impactful. It'll be a memory that I'll always have the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, the closing ceremony, I think, was also good for us. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, being in the room, filming, uh, you know, we're absorbing all of this, too. You know, we're we're around all the attendees and the presenters. And I think it was nice for our energy to have some place to go and, you know, to just have that that end and that closing and that celebration. So it's so important. And I just love that it happens and just want to thank you guys so much for that. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I'm so glad you had that feeling. Um, the concept of working in sacred space is uh, just an everyday thing. So what I've learned from, so, and to kind of explain it for people that might not have an awareness of it, we are fairly somewhat Judeo-Christian in our orientation of where, what our association is with God, source, infinite intelligence, that it seems to be in this place above our heads, someplace like outside of the room we're in, like it's up. So what the concept of the indigenous cultures was, they understood that there was a force greater, but they found it informed everything. So when they are creating a space to work in, and this was just actually the space that they chose to live in, not just work in, was to acknowledge that anima, that energy, that source energy within everything. So by creating a compass and finding a south, a north, an east, and a west, as well as Mother Earth and Father Sky, that was the soul space that they chose to find kind of this protective, not protective, but this um, gloriously expansive space that by by honoring all of it, they were walking in gratitude and in the awareness that this was a temporary vacation within the space of grace. And so that is a mandatory thing anytime I work that I, whether it's a new place and I all also the indigenous cultures didn't assume that what they were or where they were was theirs. They always were in asking permission to share it. So when I was traveling, I just got back from Hawaii. I made sure that where I was there, you know, they have kahunas, which is a very different belief system and they have different belief systems like clearly about the afterlife and such. So I would always ask and be grateful for the ancestors to allow me the grace of being able to work in their home, in their place. And with it comes this different energy connection because you can try very hard to kind of stir your own cauldron and get that energy going, but you're doing so much unnecessary work. When you blend in with the grace that surrounds you, 
and allow that space to then be what you're simply a part of, um, there's just a grander sense of connection. So that um, sacred space is an, a constant education for me. Constant. Yeah. yeah. It's never the same. It shifts. It changes. Yeah. It's, and it, like you said, it's, it's a source that is always feeding you. Yeah. Oh. And it's also something within soul conversations, the book that I am helping people create their own idea of how to, how to start that just because it's had such a powerful impact on me that I thought, you know, what people need to understand this. And if it works, they, they might want to try it because it's, um, there was Linda has a story about a gentleman who was a I think a Catholic priest who studied shamanism and uh, started doing that kind of thing and he said even he couldn't believe the difference that happened and now he even before he does sermons and before he does any of his work he includes that that idea that that natural energy is everywhere that that spiritual energy is within us, around us, and also, you know, um, guiding us. Yes. Well, I know you're going to be pretty busy at this conference with, <laughs> with what you're teaching. You also have, I saw on your website that you have, um, private sitting where you're sitting with people if they would like an hour and 15 minutes with you. And then you also have the small group setting as well. So, um, when are you giving these readings? <laughs> Where are you finding the time and how is that working out? And if, if people, do people, well, let me ask this question. If people aren't um, going to the actual conference, but they know that you're going to be there, can they come and have the one-on-one -on -one sitting with you? Or is this just for afterlife conference people? Most of the time, the, the appointments during the conference are reserved for the people during the conference. However, I'm going to be in, um, uh, Utah for a little bit afterward. So, um, should people wish sessions, I'm absolutely available by that, but I also work by phone and by zoom. And if someone finds themselves in Los Angeles in person, Awesome. And, um, for those of you, uh, that would like to check out Austin's website, it is austinwells.com and she spells it in a very pretty way. It is a U S T Y N. So austinwells.com. She's got some great stuff on there. Um, if for those of you who are listening and can't make it to Utah, we are selling a early bird live stream ticket for only $99. And for those of you whose pockets might be a little tight here, we just added a payment plan. So you you guys can pay for the $99 early bird special in two payments, $49.50 each. So hopefully it doesn't uh, break the bank and help you out a little bit with the other bills that you have to pay. And that early bird special is going to go on until April 15th of 2019. So that's what we have going on in connection with the conference. I can't wait to see you again, Austin, and um, hang out with you and just give you a hug and and I can't wait for the closing ceremony. You might have to just send me some good juju uh, to make sure I can hold it together because um, I know it's going to be intense. And uh, I can't wait. And and Soul Conversations, people, the book is finally out. So go get it. Um, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I loved it. Um, go back and listen to episode 147. You're going to hear me just being a complete mush, uh, pouring my heart out about how it touched me. Um, so I loved it. Go out and grab it. Soul Conversations. Where can people buy it now? Where do you have it out on the web? Is it just your website? Can they get it on Amazon or any local retail stores? 
It is on Amazon, available at uh, Barnes and Noble, as well as IndieBound, which is an online uh, place that'll help you understand where local bookstores carry it. Um, so it's um, yeah, that's where you that's where you can find it. And then some metaphysical stores are carrying it as well, but they certainly will be able to order it if they don't have it in stock. And the other thing is, um, within the book, there are probably, I think, 22 downloadable meditations that complement the text. So I've gotten some nice feedback from people about those meditations helping them uh, oh, cool. find a different level of connection. So Awesome. Well, Austin, always a pleasure. You are always invited back anytime. Oh. Um, so um, we'll see you in June. Terrific. Thank you, April, so much. I really appreciate the extension. I've had a lovely time and I thank you guys so much for all that you do because you're such a compliment now to the conference. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four-day four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out-of-body experiences and life-changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. <music>